0: Welcome to the Two Acre Homestead Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa. And today I am answering your questions based on a previous episode where I stated if you had any questions to email me at lisa at the2acrehomestead.com and I will be answering your questions on the podcast. So today is the day, my friend, We are answering questions. Welcome to the Two Acre Homestead. Come along with us on our journey from a small, suburban homestead lifestyle to our new lifestyle, homesteading in the rural countryside of southern Arizona. We'll share with you our tips, tricks, successes, and failures from both our past suburban lifestyle to our new rural lifestyle, all on the Two Acre Homestead. Okay, so our first question of the day, Um, actually, let me back up. Before we answer the questions, I just want you as a listener to know, I am answering these questions without a script. So what you are going to hear from me is raw, unedited responses um, to your questions. So the first question today comes from a Samantha Klein. I think that is how you pronounce your last name. She states, what major changes did you make when moving to the country? I don't know how to read that question, um, because that, that can really go in multiple different directions. Um, I'm going to assume that you are meaning that we, going from the urban country, urban from living in the suburbs to going into the rural countryside, what changes did we have to make? Basically, I would say our first, our major change that we had to make was in our thought process because we did come from a small suburban plot to two acres when you are planning things like, let's say a garden, um, planning for a space for your animals and planning, um, any other extra space for things that you may need on your property, dimensions, the dimensions are just completely different. Um, and you have to think in those terms Um, Especially when it for me when it came to gardening, because I was so used to having small garden beds, and you know, stating like you know this garden bed is for this, this garden bed is for that, and now when I'm planning out my garden, I'm thinking in rows, um, and long rows, and the sheer size of that is, it can be overwhelming. There have been several times where I've looked at our garden. And our garden now on this property is 3,200 square feet. And I'm looking at that and thinking in my head, I'm planning a garden space the size of a house. A very big house, by the way, but um, a house nonetheless. And so that can be, you know, trying to plan that kind of space can be a little bit overwhelming. Um so your thought process and spatial planning for space is a lot different. I would say the other thing that is different that I don't think it's talked about is often. Um, if you had talked to me before when we lived in the suburbs, I would have been okay with this. But when you live in the country, you are a little bit more isolated. And um, like I said, when I was in the suburbs i I would have been a okay with that. I'd sign me up isolation, yes, um, because I don't like living on top of people. I feel that you know, walking out of my back patio and seeing my next door neighbor or hearing my next door neighbor is kind of I just don't feel like that's natural to me, um, and my husband feels the same way, but um, it is isolating um because you need that human interaction so that is something that we are currently working on not isolating ourselves even though we are in the country it's a completely different mindset um and and also making sure that we have systems in place you know when we're when you're in the suburbs you kind of have a smaller system because you have a smaller plot of land but when you're dealing with a larger plot of land more that usually equals out to more animals more gardens just more of things so you really have to nail down your systems how those systems work um, when things get rotated, what things get done so that you're not overwhelmed at all. Um, and by having your active systems in place, um, that will help with that. But, um, yeah, it, it's a, it's a totally different mindset when you are living rurally or in the country versus living in the city. The other thing, the last thing I'll say to to answer that question is planning, um, and the simple things too, like planning. If you, all of us have to go to the grocery store at some particular point in time. I don't care how sufficient, how self sufficient, or how resilient you want to be. We all need to go to the store for something at some point in time. Well, when you live in the country. You have to plan because you're far out. So you can't just, you know, if one of the kids wakes up, you know, in the middle of the night and they have a little bit of a cold, you can't just, oh, I'm going to run down to Walgreens or CVS or your local drugstore and get something. You kind of have to have that stuff on property already. So planning is another thing, another mindset that um, is completely different from living in an urban environment where you could just pop in and out of the store as much as you want to. I know for us to get to, we have some major stores that are close, but to do more extended grocery shopping, um, we're talking 40 minutes away. So, um, yeah, we have to plan for everything, so I hope Sam that or Samantha that that answers your question. So the next question comes from somebody that calls themselves Twitty, 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 D? Twitty D Homestead. Twitty D T Homestead. <laughs> so they said, What made you choose to buy your place? Good question. And I'm not going to answer your question too much in depth, because we are planning on doing an episode. Actually, it's going to be an episode with both me and my husband, where we're going to be talking about some of the things that you need to look for when buying a place in the country, um, choosing to live rurally. Um, So I'm not going to go too in-depth, Twitty, DT, Homestead, but... um, what Basically, what made us choose the place that we are today is several factors, um, one of which, what I just said before, is that we live relatively close to some stores and medical. Um, we have two small boys, and boys will be boys. I'm assuming there's going to be some injury, so we wanted to be close. Now, that sounds pessimistic in planning, but it is reality. Um, I wanted to be close to medical in case there is some dire emergency. I also wanted to stay relatively close to friends and family. Did not want to move too far away, but far away enough to be in the country, but close enough to be accessible. Um, as far as our physical, like our house and our property. We knew we wanted to be at least two acres um, because we wanted room to expand and we have it. And we are super excited that we have that room to expand. We also did not want to buy raw land. And again, we will get into that in depth down the road, but we did not want to buy something with raw land or something even with utilities on it. Um, especially this being our first time moving out into the rural countryside, we wanted to have, um, land with a structure on it. We felt that would be the easiest thing for our family. Next question is, Regarding the episode, I'm going to omit the names from this point on because some of the names, I feel like I'm slaughtering names. So (laughs) I apologize. So um, the next question is regarding the episode, how to start homesteading, do you have to start with chickens? Could you keep other animals like ducks or rabbits? (sighs) This is a really good question. Um, and in truth, I know of people who have, when they've started homesteading, they did not choose chickens. They, um, chose cows. Um, I know one person, Um, who, and, and when I say I know this person, I mean, I'm talking about people in that I know in real life, not in the YouTube world or via social media. I mean, people that I have, you know, shaken their hands, given them a hug, so to speak in real life. So I do know people who have started their homestead journey with cows. I do know people who have started uh, their homestead journey with rabbits. Um, I cannot speak to ducks. I have not kept ducks. Um, that is something that my husband and I are actually thinking of, but um, that is something I, I I honestly, I cannot speak to that. And nor do I know anyone, I don't know anyone off the top of my head in our circle of friends that has a duck or has ducks, period. Um, but rabbits, chickens, and cows, yes. Um, and you don't have to start with chickens to answer that question directly. You can start with other animals. Um, and keeping other animals like ducks and rabbits. We have rabbits on property. Um, I absolutely love my rabbits. They are a gardener's best friend. Um, I do not keep them to be eaten. Um I keep them because they are such good little fertilizers for your garden. Um I absolutely love having them for that reason and I just like rabbits to begin with. But um yeah, and and keeping other animals, I mean, in the future I know for for us we are looking into getting some other animals, but right now it's You know, as you know, we like to plan things out. So, you know, we have to plan the infrastructure for said animals. And we do have plans on keeping other animals um, on our homestead. Let's see, another person writes in, what is a hybrid? Is it the same as a, as a GMO? Okay, I'm assuming that you're talking about seeds. Um, because mm, I'm assuming that you're talking about seeds in this question, because the question is not very clear. But um, if your question is about, I guess you could apply this question to animals, specifically birds. But um, if you probably know who you are, if you're listening to this, you know who you are, who's written this question. What is a hybrid? Is it the same as a GMO? If you're not talking in regards to seeds, then please email me again, and clarify what you're talking about. But I'm going to answer it from the perspective of a seed. Um, Genetically modified organisms um, are basically GMO seeds. These are seeds that have been genetically modified, just as it says, um, so that they can withstand certain pesticides. These are seeds that are created and altered in a lab, um, and they do not occur naturally in the natural world. A hybrid is something completely different. Um, a hybrid seed is a naturally occurring seed, for example, a tomato seed that has been cross-pollinated. And it doesn't have to be a tomato seed. I'm just using a tomato seed as an example. But it's a seed that has been cross-pollinated with another plant so as to produce good genetics for various reasons. These are natural. They are done, hybrids are done naturally. They are not done in a lab. Um, so those are two completely different things Um, and honestly, if you're looking at GMO seeds, GMO seeds for your garden, the average gardener is not going to have access to a GMO seed. They are extremely expensive. They are highly, highly monitored. Um, so that there is no cross-pollination with anything else. It's a whole thing. Um, those seeds are usually only available to farmers. And when I say farmers, I'm talking about farmers who get government subsidies for their crops, big time farmers, and they're very, very, very expensive. They are not seeds that you are going to find for sale for the average backyard homestead gardener. Now, a hybrid, on the other hand, the market is flooded with hybrid seeds. Hybrids have their place, and hybrids are good. For example, I'm using the tomato as an example. There is a tomato, a hybrid or um, an F one, um, which means that's the first generation of that um, hybrid seed. It's called. Um, it's a type of tomato called the Heat Master. Now, you can get that seed from uh, Seeds and Such. Um, if you do seeds and then the letter N and then such.com, they sell a lot of hybrid tomato seeds. That particular tomato seed has been, or that particular tomato has been one of my favorites to grow when we lived in Phoenix, Arizona, because that particular hybrid seed is. Uh, developed, it's been cross pollinated in such a way that the fruit it produces, the tomatoes it produces, can produce in temperatures over 100 degrees. Now, if you're familiar with tomatoes, they do not produce tomatoes once it gets to 90, 95 degrees. For my friends, for those of you who are listening, and you're not in the United States, I do not know what that translates into Celsius, but in Fahrenheit, it's 95, 90 to 95 degrees Fahrenheit is when they stop producing tomatoes. But the heat master, which is an, a hybrid seed, an F1 to be exact, that particular seed will produce, that particular um, tomato plant will produce tomatoes when the temperatures are over hundred. As a matter of fact, the the hotter the temperature, the better that plant does. Um, and that's an example of a hybrid seed. Now I can never, ever save the seed from a heat master plant. Um, so like, let's say, you know, when I harvest my tomato plants and I cut open, you know, the tomato and I want to save the seeds, I am never going to get another Heatmaster F1 um, tomato plant. That's the problem with hybrid seeds; they are not true to the parents. So, if you are interested in building resiliency and again closing those systems, having closed systems on your property, where you are, let's say you're growing something, and then you want to save that seed of said plant then a hybrid seed is not what you're interested in. You want what's called an heirloom seed. Heirloom seeds are seeds that have been, um, um, the parent plant has been open pollinated for, I believe over 50 years, open pollinated, meaning, you know, the birds and the bees pollinate said plants and, They are true to the parents. So when you save those seeds and you plant them again, you're going to get that same plant over and over and over and over again. So it just depends on what you're looking for. It depends on your circumstances, where you live. And as everything with gardening and permaculture, it all depends. It just depends on you and what your needs are. Okay. And let's see here. There's one last question that we have. And somebody is asking, does everyone in your house have a job to do? Do you plan each month and week? Does all that planning burn you out? (laughs) I love the multiple questions that you guys are putting in here. Um, Let's take the first question. Does everyone in the house have a job? I'm going to say yes. And when I say yes, I mean, everything in our house has a job, Um, everything and everyone. So obviously my husband and I, we all have, we both have responsibilities on our homestead. Our children, um, they're little guys, they're both under five years old, but yeah, they have, they have their little responsibilities that they, their little chores that they do. Um, and even our animals they all have jobs to do we have dogs they protect the homestead um and we have like i said before we have rabbits they help fertilize the homestead we have chickens they produce you know food for us and also fertility for our gardens as well so um even the grass that we have on our homestead you know that helps with um, the compost piles. So yes, everything has a purpose. Everything and everyone has a job on this homestead. Um, the other question was, do you plan each month and week? And does all that planning burn you out? I think that's that I can answer both of those together. Um, I do not plan each week. Uh, it depends on what you're talking about. Um, When it comes to our business, yes, I do. Um, For example, this podcast I have every week planned out. Um, Every month, I think if you were to listen to the episode where I talk about having a plan and having a vision, um, we do, we are planners. And so every month is a month of insert project here. Um, so yeah each each month is different. Um, this is right now we're working on uh, ensuring that the chickens and the rabbits have a place and that everybody is safe and secure. So the, every month has has a plan um, but not every week. And does all that planning burn us out? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, for us, it's actually the reverse. It's actually the opposite. If we did not have a plan, it would burn us out. Um, somebody had recently said to us, um, they thought that, you know, having all the animals is very stressful to us. And we're like, no. It's it's lack of planning that becomes stressful, um, but having the animals and and having all of this nope not stressful at all. So it's the same with our you know planning. Um, if we do not have a plan, we find that we are just constantly stressed out because we're just we're we're catch you know we're just spinning our wheels. We're trying to catch our tail, and um, we're going nowhere. So when we have a plan, we've accomplished something, and now we can move on. So um, yeah, we like to have things planned out for sure. Well, those are the questions, which were really good questions, Um, things I'd never thought about really good questions to ask. Um, And we are going to be making this a regular feature on the podcast. So there are going to be at least one podcast, one episode a month at the very least where we're answering your questions. So again, if you would like to participate in this, please feel free to email me at lisa at the com. And I am more than happy to feature your question on the podcast and answer it just like I did today, unscripted. You're getting me raw, unscripted. I have no plan, no steps, no nothing. This is just how I'm answering your questions. Well, I hope that you found this episode um, interesting and educational and Um, Until next time, be safe out there.